0: I'm looking forward to uh, the four weeks together, but before we get started tonight, I want to lodge a formal complaint against Clayton and the team last weekend. I was here when they did the lip sync dance off, in case you missed it, this was a bit of it. My, my complaint is the fact that I wasn't invited to participate. <clears throat> Possibly it was because I didn't know any of the artists that they were imitating. After all, I thought a hammer was for driving nails. But I also fear that just because Clayton can sing and dance, that some of you might decide that you like him more than me. Uh, And I have a reason for this. I was sitting in the mezzanine on Saturday, and um, when Clayton came out and began to do that little shuffle with his feet, you know, and all his, well, two girls sitting in the row right in front of me just began to dance. I mean, they came unglued. And on top of that, later on, Clayton made a comment about social media and that he wasn't going to be that grumpy guy. And who else could he have been referring to but me? I don't think it's grumpy because I ask you not to be on Facebook while I'm talking. So some of the staff are now suggesting that they need to school me in urban dance moves and pop culture. And I'm fine with that as long as we're talking about the Doobie Brothers and Deep Purple. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think I have grounds for a legitimate complaint, and if you agree with me, let me hear it a little louder, huh? Thank you. Well, we are excited about this new series, and, um, and I do just want to say, I think this little piece they did last week was one of the best things I've seen in the six years that I've been here, and it goes to the core of who City Church is and why we do these sorts of things to connect to people and encourage people into a deeper relationship with Christ. And that's what we wanna do over the next four weeks here as well. Now, I wanna open with a story to kick this series off that you may have heard me tell before, maybe a couple of years ago, but regardless, I think you'll enjoy it, and it is relevant to marrying well. When Linda and I lived in Kenya with our young family, As missionaries, my neighbor, uh, who was a very conservative missionary, made the attempt to get to know me a little better one afternoon. And so leaning across the chain link fence that separated our two yards, he asked what I'm sure he thought was a very safe question. He said, so John, what was it about Linda that caused you to want to marry her? Now, I'm sure that as a missionary, he expected me to say, oh, she was so godly, or we shared this common mission together, and we felt called together. Probably the last thing he expected was for brutal honesty. So I said, oh, dude, I'll never forget the first time I saw her. She was wearing these super short cutoffs that were (laughs) raveling around the back edges, and... She was also wearing this very thin uh, silk blouse, orange silk blouse from India. And uh, and when she came to the house where I was and came to the front door, the light was kind of the sun was shining behind her there a little bit. And and her, her brown skin just highlighted her long brown hair and her white teeth and her blue eyes. And I said, you know, I just saw one you know, look at Linda, and that was all I needed. I married her, I told him, because I saw her in cutoffs. (laughs) Well, needless to say, my relationship with my neighbor didn't last very long. I don't think we ever had another serious conversation after that. Today, we might call my reason for marrying Linda chemistry. She had it and I wanted it, right? And it's the number one reason that most of us get married. But marrying based on chemistry really isn't working all that well. Statistics tell us that almost 50% of all marriages in our country aren't making it. 60% of second marriages Are not surviving, and 73% of third marriages aren't making it. Statistics tell us that if you're a woman in the military, you're twice as likely to divorce. If you have lived together before you're married, you're 40%, you have a 40% higher chance of divorcing. And if your parents divorced and you marry someone whose parents also divorced, the chances of your marriage ending in divorce are 200% higher. Y'all, that's insane. It's not easy to marry well, and it certainly isn't automatic. Now, no one wants to be reduced to a statistic. But if you've been through a divorce, you know the pain associated with it. You know how it feels to be jolted, to be left alone, to be uncertain why your marriage didn't make it. If you're holding an unhappy marriage together, you know how exhausting and dissatisfying it is. Every night you go to bed wishing you were somewhere else with someone else, or every day you get up and avoid interaction with one another. This isn't how marriage is supposed to be. We need some help. And so Clayton and I are going to try to provide a little bit of help over the next four weeks. And the way we're going to do that, as Lee already said, we're going to take you back to the basics of how to marry well. And we're going to ask you, as we have been asking in this season, to behave like we believe. Now, uh, we're gonna offer you an alternative approach to what most people use for deciding who they will marry. Most of us approach marriage from the outside in. It's what I did with Linda. We see someone that we're attracted to, and we move into pursuit mode. It's all about chemistry. And here's how it works. Whenever you are in a chemistry-based marriage, the goal of the guy is to get the girl, and the goal of the girl is to get the guy. We all understand that. But the problem with this is, is that when the chemistry wanes, And over time, it will wane, then the eyes begin to wander again. This is why so many marriages that are based on chemistry only disintegrate after a short period of time. Now, there's nothing wrong, of course, with physical attraction. I mean, who wants to marry someone that you're not attracted to, right? So there's nothing wrong with chemistry, but there's more to marriage than just chemistry. In fact, we believe that if we will reverse the process and start with what we believe, not with our simple behavior, it will actually enhance the chemistry of our marriages. And this reversal is what we are calling marrying from the inside out. And we have a template that we're going to use over the next four weeks to talk about this. The first step in the template is that if you see somebody that you are attracted to, then the first thing you need to find out is, is do we share a basic life purpose? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Then if you do share a basic life purpose, then you need to find out if you are compatible with one another. If you are compatible, the third step in our template is to seek confirmation from those who know you well and who love you deeply. Then, if after all of that, the chemistry is still there, then that is the person for you to marry. So do you see how we tend to get this backwards? We start with chemistry. And because we have some chemistry, that's all the confirmation that we think we need. And this is like playing the lottery with our marriages. And as we all know, the chances of winning the lottery aren't very good. And if you treat getting married as a matter of chance, chances are you won't win at marriage either. And so... We're asking you over these next four weeks to change your approach to marriage. We're asking you to marry from the inside instead of from the outside in. We're asking you to go back to the basics and behave like we believe. So what does that look like? Well, there's a good example of marrying from the inside out in the Old Testament story of Isaac and Rebekah. If you're not familiar with it, it's recorded for us in Genesis chapter 24. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at their marriage story. So let me start with it by giving you a little bit of background. Isaac's father was Abraham, and God made a covenant with Abraham in which he promised him that through his descendants, the Savior of the world would come. And this covenant that God made with Abraham was a certain kind. It was called a covenant of grant. And one of the really cool things about a covenant of grant is that it could be passed on to your children. And this is exactly what happened in Isaac's case. The promise that God had made to Abraham was passed on to Isaac. Therefore, Isaac had a very specific life purpose. And his purpose was this, that through him, through his descendants, the Savior of the world would come. And what that meant was, is it meant that it was critical that Isaac marry well. If Isaac didn't marry well, if he got that wrong, his whole life purpose could go wrong. Now, in Middle Eastern culture, it was a father's responsibility to arrange his son's marriage. But like any father, Abraham wanted the right girl. He wanted the best girl. He wanted a pretty girl, but not just a pretty girl. So Abraham called his most trusted servant, and he sent him to find a wife for Isaac, and this is what he said. He said, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. Now, if you listen closely to this, it almost sounds a little incestuous to us. Abraham was proposing that Isaac marry a relative. And in fact, Rebekah was his second cousin. And in many Middle Eastern cultures, this was considered to be completely normal. But I mean, really? Why take a chance? Why not just marry a local Canaanite girl? Well, the answer is pretty simple, actually. Canaanite girls, like all Canaanite people of Abraham's day, didn't believe in the God of Abraham, they worshiped a different God. His name was Baal. And so, it was impo- none of them none of the Canaanite girls could share in the purpose of Isaac's life because no Canaanite girl believed what Isaac believed about God. And that's why Abraham would not choose one of them as a wife for his son. Now y'all this teaches us the first thing that we need to learn and apply to our own lives, if we want to marry well. Your basic life purpose guides who you should and who you shouldn't marry. You can't just marry any pretty girl in cutoffs, don't just marry some rich dude who also happens to be good looking. If you want to marry well, you need to find a person who shares a basic life purpose with you. Now, why does this purpose matter so much? Well, purpose matters because it determines a great deal of your happiness and satisfaction. You see, life without purpose is just a random series of events I go to work, I head home. I stop by the bar, I take a trip over the weekend. I meet a guy or a girl, we hook up for a night, but eh, wasn't into him or her. I go back to work on Monday, and there's this girl there, there's this guy there, and on it goes. Without purpose, there's nothing that ties your life together. And without purpose, there's nothing that ties your marriage together. Chemistry doesn't tie your marriage together. There will always be someone sexier than you or the person that you're married to. What keeps you together is that you've joined your lives together to accomplish something that you could never accomplish alone. Let me show you how it works. This is the purpose diagram, and it looks very similar to the chemistry diagram, but it's actually quite different because in the purpose diagram, the two people who are getting married to each other actually share a common purpose, a basic purpose together, and part of that purpose is that they have decided not only to pursue each other, but they're actually pursuing life together. This is radically different than just pursuing the guy or the girl. Together, they are now pursuing a common purpose together. And this not only moves them closer together and keeps them together, but it also moves them toward God who gave their purpose in the first place. This is a very different kind of marriage because when the chemistry wanes and eventually it will wane, what happens is is that you still have a common reason for being married. Have you ever heard old people say, oh, it just gets sweeter and sweeter? And I'm kind of thinking, I know you're not doing it that much. How could it be sweeter and sweeter? (laughs) Well, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about we've spent our whole lives together sharing a common purpose together. And as they age, they now know what love really is in all of its components and dimensions. And as they fulfill their purpose together, they move into this awesome relationship with God who is love himself. That's what we all want. But in order to get it, you got to marry on purpose. This is what we believe. This is what we see in Isaac's story. God gave him a purpose, and that purpose was the starting point for marrying from the inside out. To marry well, you both have to share a basic life purpose together. And if you don't, you probably shouldn't marry. So the obvious question is, well, how do we discover whether or not we actually share a basic life purpose. Well, discovering your life purpose, the bad news is, is that it isn't the easiest thing you'll ever do, but the good news is it's not really all that hard either. It requires some thought, and it requires honest discussions on your behalf with the person that you're in relationship with. And that's what marrying from the inside out does. As a general principle, it makes us think before we act. It makes us decide what we believe and then behave like it. And you may not realize it, but we've actually been teaching you how to discover your basic life purpose for the last four weeks. Over the last four weeks, Clayton and I have been telling you that you have to believe about God, people, and stuff You've got to decide what you believe about these three things. We've told you that these are the basic building blocks of your life. And in fact, we've been telling you that if you're stuck and you don't know what to do, you need to go back to the basics and decide what you believe about these three things, God, people, and stuff, and then uh, behave like it. That we, we told you, this is how you build a great life. And guess what? It's also how you build a great marriage. So how do these three circles apply to marriage? Well, if you believe that God created everything, then you believe that he is the greatest person in the universe. And if you believe this, then we said that you will factor God into every decision that you make unless you have God in a box. Do you remember that weekend that I had a box up here and said a lot of us keep God in a box. We're functional atheists. We say we believe in God, but we don't behave like it. If you and your partner that you're thinking about marrying or you and your spouse, if you guys believe the same thing about God, that he's the greatest person in the universe, then you have to factor him into every decision that you make as a couple. This is going to affect every part of your life and your family. And so let me just say to you that if you're dating somebody who isn't interested in following God that seriously, you might want to rethink whether or not you should get married. Now, secondly, if you believe that people are created in the image of God, then you believe that people are the most important thing on this earth. And you may remember that Clayton taught you that the way you show that you love God is by loving people. You give your life away for people. And in terms of marriage, this is going to affect all of your relationships. Most importantly, the one you care about, it's gonna affect your relationship with your spouse because you're a person. They're a person. What they believe about people is going to determine how they act toward you. It's going to determine how you raise your children. It's going to determine what you do when your in-laws really bug you. These are the kinds of things that happen when we decide that we love people and that they're valuable. In terms of marriage, if the person that you're thinking about marrying, if you know ah, they really don't care that much about people and you do, then you might wanna rethink whether or not you get married. And then, thirdly, if you believe that God is the giver of all of our stuff, then instead of letting your stuff own you, you own your stuff in a way that honors God and helps people. In terms of marriage, This affects how you handle your resources, your finances, your money. It determines what you do about giving. It determines what you do about saving. It determines what you do about debt. This is going to affect what you have, where you live, what you do in retirement. It's going to affect how you handle your money. And as you guys may know, finances is one of the primary reasons that people divorce. And so if you and your partner are not in agreement about stuff, you might want to rethink getting married. You see, these are the three most basic issues of life. These are the building blocks of life. And so if you don't believe the same things about these three basic issues and behave like it, then you don't share a basic life purpose and let me just tell you if you're getting ready to marry somebody and you don't share a basic life purpose your marriage is going to struggle because you fundamentally believe different things and if you are married already and you realize we don't believe the same things about these three basic things I'm pretty sure Your marriage is struggling already. And so you know. You know this is serious. And so here's what I want you to do. I'm asking you to choose to marry from the inside out. I'm asking you to set chemistry aside until you actually are married. I'm asking you to start with the most basic building blocks of life and to have honest conversations with the person, either that you're already married to or that you're considering marrying. If you are already married and you didn't start from the inside out, as we're suggesting, then I'm asking you guys to go on a journey together to discover your purpose together. Because this is what's going to keep your marriage together now you need to recognize what might be obvious to you already and that is that if you're married and you didn't marry from the inside out and you're not in agreement on these basic things you have a little bit of a hard road ahead of you what it means is is that now you're going to have to compromise in these areas and that's not always easy to do when you marry from the inside out, like we're suggesting, and you find, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't hold a basic life purpose with this person. You say, you're a great person, nice to know you, but I'm gonna go my separate way. But now when you're already married, that option's not on the table for you. And so, compromise might be hard for you. So here's what I would suggest. If your marriage is struggling, I want to strongly encourage you to sign up and attend the Re-Engage program that Lee spoke about earlier. It's starting on February 15th at 7 p.m. It will help you work through these basic issues. And uh, you can stop by the Burgundy Pavilion out in the plaza on your way out, find out more information. Or you can simply show up on the 15th, the day after Valentine's Day and uh, begin that program together if you haven't married yet but you're thinking about it you're close to popping the question you're wishing he would pop the question right i'm asking you to do some serious thinking it might hurt a little bit right now but it potentially will save you from a life of pain if you marry well and that's what we want and so let's pray together toward that end heavenly father our our lives get so complicated sometimes and we badly need your wisdom and we thank you for the simple wisdom of the scriptures of the importance of being together and in agreement on the most basic building blocks of life. And so, Lord, I want to pray today for those who are either struggling in their marriage or for those who are thinking about getting married. I pray that we will have the courage to have the hard conversations, to find out what we really believe, and then behave like it. Lord, I pray that you would do a significant work in our lives over these next four weeks together, and we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Amen.